Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It is. Hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. If you missed hour one, you can go grab it as a podcast at myfaithradio.com or wherever you get your podcast. Um, when you do that, you're going to be able to access all of the articles and connect with all of the guests that we talk with here during the program. So great to get the show notes and you can get those um, online at myfaithradio.com or um, wherever you download your podcast. So we are past Labor Day on the calendar, and so summer's over, right? Well, not exactly. I mean, officially it ends September 22nd, but that doesn't mean that it's going to not keep feeling like summer in some places for an extended period of time, specifically in the western United States. So California and surrounding states are really suffering through an extreme heat event aggravated by an ongoing drought in the region. And so I thought these um, these predictions for this week were worthy of pointing out because they give us talking points um, as Christians, I think, for conversations that we can be having. And it's also, I think, um, important for us to recognize that as it gets hotter and stays hot for extended periods of time, it actually affects our behavior. And we need to be like planning in advance for how we're going to deal with like heat induced anger. So um, so here are a few thoughts this morning. Death Valley, already one of the hottest places on earth, by the way, if you've ever been there, um, is set to either tie or break its all-time record for September um, this coming week or weekend. So the temperature on Thursday hit 124 degrees Fahrenheit in Death Valley National Park. Um, that's just like six-tenths of a degree off of the record um, for the whole month of September and so um, here's the big picture. So the, if the record is um, 125 degrees and it's already hit 124 and it hasn't gotten as hot as it's going to get, then pretty much Death Valley is going to exceed its, um, its, its own records. Death Valley holds the world's record for the hottest temperature ever at 134 degrees Fahrenheit, measured back in July of 1913. But there is a heat dome um stationary like over the region so there's this high atmospheric pressure um it's been lingering over the entire southwestern united states and it's raising temperatures there above normal and aggravated by that or aggravating that maybe it's a better way to say that is the fact that um the land is already like parched it's really dry there's an ongoing drought in the region so if you're in arizona idaho nevada montana utah california you need to know that it is going to continue to be really hot where you live um, for some period of time. Summer is definitely not over. Um, California has issued, uh, not only is it predicting you know, all-time high temperatures, it is predicting all-time record demand for power, um, which, of course, leaves them in danger of blackouts. 
And there's a lot of people in, at higher, eleva- higher elevations in particular who don't have air conditioning. And so people without air conditioning are getting no relief in, in, the, in the evenings because the temperature is not dropping below 80, um, you know, at night. And so um, you really need your overnight temperature to drop to like 78 so that your body can recover. And when it can't recover, you have this exposure over long periods of time. It actually increases your heart rate um, and makes you angry. It makes you angry. Uh, and so let's be um, let's be aware of that. Let's be cognizant of that. I mean, like physical reality has an in- impact on how we um, view what's happening and certainly how we respond and react. And so anger makes us short in many ways. And so let's be um, let's be praying um, for relief from the oppressive heat um, and for those who are suffering under it. All right. Next up, Justin Gibney is going to be here. Justin and I are going to. We're going to have a, a bit of a more wide-ranging conversation than maybe we normally have. I have teed up a question for him. Like, how do we differentiate respect for a role, like the role of president or the role of a police officer, and the respect for a particular person who might be in that role at a particular point in time? How do you do that? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Justin Gibney is an attorney. He heads up the AND campaign. He lives in the greater Atlanta area. Um, Justin, welcome back. Hey, Carmen. Glad to be here. Yeah. So I thought that it would be helpful for you and I to take a step back and have some big, big conversations. So help me differentiate between the respect that we would have for a particular role like president or police officer versus the respect that I may or may not have for a particular person in that role at any given point in time. Yeah. So I think on a personal level, uh, many people would say, and we've heard this before, it's kind of cliche that respect is earned, right? I look at your actions. I look at your character. I look at what you do and I decide whether I'm going to honor, you know, whether you deserve honor or not. Right now we already know that just as a human being, there's a level of, dignity and honor that that people deserve, right? There's a level of respect. But then when it comes to a certain position, I think you cannot necessarily think someone has good character or deserves to be held in high esteem, uh, but but at the same time, recognize that person's position, Uh, recognize the the importance of the role that that person's position plays. And so what you're doing is you're honoring the role and the position, not necessarily endorsing the character of of the person. Now, even that, I mean, even so, there's there's a level, uh, uh, Carmen, of deference, right, based on a position. But I I would say though, even even with that, there's there may be limits, right? Because you could have someone in, who's in a place of high esteem or or that we should esteem highly because it's it helps. It's the order of society, and I believe God. we have a God of order who orders our society a certain way and does want us to honor the king, so to speak. However, they can go to such a point where they you know, need to be removed or they need to be confronted, and we, and we see that happening uh, with, with, with John the Baptist, right? Uh, so, so there's a tension there, but I think we do have to understand that just because we don't like someone or want to hold them in high esteem personally 
we may have to show deference to their position. I think that um, bringing up John the Baptist and talking about speaking truth to power is always really um, helpful. Um, there, you know, there are there is a prophetic witness to being a Christian in any culture today, and that is going to mean that we we do speak truth to those in positions of power. I think how we do that, where we do that, and when we do that um, is of critical importance. Am I going first to the person? As you know, assuming I can get an audience, right? Do I go first to the person and raise my concerns there um, before I start, you know, sort of screeching in public? Um, and I, I, so I think that there is a way of approaching these conversations that's helpful. And maybe we haven't all been trained in righteousness in this area. Um, but I think that highlighting, you know, like John the Baptist, that's actually really helpful. I mean, he he spoke truth to power and he paid dearly for it. Right. And he went about it a certain way. Right. And And because... Um, of how he he approached things, you know, you can respect the way that he went about it. But again, just because we say we respect a certain position or uh, a certain authority doesn't mean that uh, it's, it's unconditional. They can just do whatever they want to do. Even within that, there's an orderly way to go about it. There's, there's many times our, is a level of protocol because we do want to maintain order. We don't want chaos where people just run up to anybody and uh, uh, and just say whatever they want to say in any way that they want to say it. Again, there's a certain respect that we have for everyone, but also understanding that certain positions serve an uh, uh, important purpose in society. We may need to have some deference in that regard as well. Yeah. I mean, otherwise we just devolve into anarchy and chaos. And so I think that that's um, yeah helpful observation as well. All right. When we come um, when we come back, here's what uh, Justin and I are going to be addressing. Another big, big topic. I'm um, I'm just going to ask Justin to help me see the world um, from the perspective of a young black man in urban America today. Home, school, violence, fear, political environment, covid economy, church. Like what does the world look like from a social location as different from mine um, as exists in America today? Because I live in a rural place and I'm a white woman. So we're going to talk about the difference of our perspectives based on our social location and how that leads us to see things differently. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do every morning on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. I don't want you to miss any of it. So check out the free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. One of the things I would like for you to consider is becoming a faith radio ambassador. We talk about walking our faith out into the world that God, that God so loves and doing so in ways that honor Jesus. Well, that's because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You can become a faith radio ambassador today and help us get the word out to others about this and other programs on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, we will supply everything that you need to share with others, and you can sign up to be a faith radio ambassador at MyFaithRadio.com. Justin Gibney is um, one of my most highly esteemed rising stars. And um, I appreciate his intellect, his um, gentle spirit, um, and yet the ferocity of his commitment to social justice and to Jesus. And so um, Justin helps me see things that I don't see, and he also helps me see things that I do see from a different perspective. Uh, he heads up something called the AND Campaign, 
Um, he is African-American. He is young. Um, and he lives in a much more urban environment and certainly um, is more engaged in urban environments than I am. So, Justin, again, thank you for being here and just be willing your willingness to have, you know, very candid conversations with me. Let's talk about social location. Let's talk about um, how a and maybe when I say young black man in urban America today, you're actually thinking of somebody other than yourself. Um, but somebody that, you know, or the certainly the experience that you're aware of. Um, you know, maybe somebody who is in their late teens or even very early 20s. Like, what what is their experience of America today? Well, I like that question, um, Carmen. Uh, for one, I mean, even if you think of um, Philippians chapter two, verse three, which tells us to consider others as more important as our as more important um, than ourselves. And I don't think we can do that unless we do what you're doing right now, which is an exercise to understand where they're coming from. Uh, and I, I think that's so important. And, and as always, I kind of put the the disclaimer that obviously black America, even within urban spaces, is not a monolith. Right. Amen. So so you'll, so yeah. you'll find one group feeling one way and, and another group feeling another way. And they could be down the street. And, and we all understand that. I would just say as a general matter. Um, when you look at what's going on in America right now, I think young people, as they struggle to find their identity, they look at others' responses to the troubles that they go through. And so let's say a young black, black man is uh, shot by a police officer. Uh, let's say that the, the schools are downtrodden. How are people reacting to that and how are they concerned? And in many cases, you can base your value on how people respond to your issues. Mm. Um, and so I would say that for many young black men, they're searching to find that they matter to people in other groups or people in authority. Um, are we showing them that their, their struggles do matter? Uh, I think sometimes we can jump so quickly to accountability, which I think is a Christian accountability is, is, is very important, but it's, but can you really preach accountability to someone that you have not shown concern for? D mm -hmm. Does that message resonate with someone that you have not shown concern for, or haven't really considered what they're going through and what might distract them from taking the same path that you might've taken without the similar distractions. And so I think, I think that's really what's important. As, as a young person struggles to identify themselves, are they reading that they're important, that they have worth from our response, especially the response of the church? And so I think there are a lot of reasons that young black men can question that. But at the same time, I see a lot of young black men here in Atlanta who do know their worth, uh, who are, who are um, despite you know, others having sufficient concern or not, are confident in who they are and are trying and seeking uh, to better themselves. I mean, this can get right down to, um, you know, do I even bother to find out people's names? Um, I mean, you know, when I'm encountering um, a young black man in any environment, am I, um, you know, am I looking him in the eye? Am I greeting him? Am I telling him that I appreciate, you know, whatever it is that he's doing? And, you know, I mean, that he's there, that he's present, that he matters. Am I asking good questions? Am I, you know, am I am I being a person who's concerned? Um, and maybe we don't do that, Justin, because we're, you know, at some level afraid. Um, 
And we are, um, and when I say afraid, like it's it's a totally irrational fear. It's not that I'm afraid of that person. It's afraid. It's, I'm afraid that I'm not going to know what to say or that I'm going to seem you know, odd and weird for just saying, you know, you know, hey, it's, you know, it's good to see you. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. It's like it's a little bit like, you know, how do you get into a conversation with a total stranger? Yeah, I mean, and, and all of that comes with some risk. Right. And I think that that's a legitimate uh, feeling because sometimes that does happen. We want to make sure it's not kind of like a prideful thing. Sometimes you just right. have to take that chance. You, you have to take the chance of coming off as awkward or, or, or misunderstood and maybe that awkward moment is there, but as you get to know someone and as you continue to uh, engage them, it, it fades away. So it can't be completely avoided. I, I do understand that. I struggle with that sometimes myself in, in addressing people. But I think we do have to push forward just so people can see our heart. And that doesn't all, always come across immediately, but eventually I think in many cases it will. So when I think about this um, emerging generation, and I don't want to call them the next generation because, like, they're here. They have arrived. They are young adults at this point in time. But I think about Gen Z. Um, for many of them, and this this crosses racial lines. This crosses socioeconomic lines. This is a generational conversation, but, you know, I'd like to have it with you as well. Um, home is a broken place. Church is a broken place. Um, the government is... I mean, broken in ways that it has not been in the experience of some of us in the past. School or the educational process has been disrupted and for many kids was broken already. Um, And so maybe we shouldn't be super surprised that they kind of want to tear it all down. Like what is maybe I'll maybe I'll pose the question this way. What is not broken? What is working for the emerging generation? Yeah, I mean, I I think we know, you know, anything we touch has a brokenness to it. Right. Um, Mm. uh, Because we're broken people and we can't create anything that's perfect. Um, But I I think there is. One of the things that I see in the younger generations is the aspiration to. Have what they do have purpose, right, not just working to work, um, wanting to have purpose in what they do. And I've even talked to parents that say, man, my my son didn't want to go to law school or medical school. He did something else. Well, and I say, you know, I don't know that that's a bad thing if he's looking for purpose, if he's still trying to be productive, but he's just looking to do something different. Uh, And so I do see that in the in the younger generation. I see a a care. I I see a care for the application of the gospel and what the the implications of the gospel are in society if we really mean what we say. Uh, and so those things, while there's a lot of brokenness around them, I think uh, provide some promise. And I think those um, transcend race and gender and and maybe socioeconomic experience. Maybe those transcend social location for Gen Z. Um, I see that uh, in you know, in young white Americans, you know, even as you are seeing it in young black Americans. And um, and as soon as we say those things, we have to recognize that one of the things that makes Gen Z very unique um, is that it's the first generation where white is not majority um, and and white and black are not 
particularly good distinctions because most people are more than one at this point. I mean, like it's a it's a very racially diverse generation. And so I do think they are going to interact and lead us in ways um, in conversations that we have been stumbling over and stumbling through in the past and even in the present. I think they are a very an aspirational crowd and they and they want to see the gospel um, applied like that's that's really good language, Justin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so, too. I, I see some very promising things. And and again, it's one of those things where every generation can learn from the other. Right. Uh, one of the things I tell younger people is that even if you have elders in the church, that get something wrong. Let's say that they get race wrong and you don't like the way that they handle it. It doesn't mean they get everything wrong. And there's still things that you can learn from th- from them as well. So mm-hmm. so I think it's incumbent upon all of us to find in each generation what we can learn from. Uh, maybe there's some, some things we need to correct, but always looking for what we can learn from and how we can build relationship with them. I love that. Um, people have been encouraged this morning, Justin, by our conversation, and they want more. Um, please, please, please have Justin come back and tell us what is working and where he sees hope. So thank you, Justin. We'll, we'll just tee that up for the next time we talk. How's that sound? Sounds good, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Love it. Absolutely. That's Justin Gibney. You can find him at the AND campaign. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Oh, I love my pumpkin spice, 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 spice. Oh, it goes down so nice, 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 nice. You can even get it iced. Hey, when you um sit down and talk with folks, you know, I don't know, over a cup of coffee, maybe in the car, um, you know, you see a road sign, you see um, a person protesting, you see a sign, um, you know, on a billboard, maybe it's even a bumper sticker. Um, things that get you into conversation about the kingdom, like normally the kingdom of this world in which we live, right? And country, which actually is the kingdom of this world in which we live. And so as Christians, how do we have the bigger conversation about the capital K kingdom, right? The kingdom of God um, of which we are um, citizens and ambassadors. How do we have that conversation, the kingdom conversation, the big K conversation, the king and the kingdom conversation as citizens of a particular country that we do very much love? Well, kingdom and country is the book. Following Jesus in the Land That You Love is the subtitle. And up next, um, we're going to be talking with Angie Ward. She is the general editor of the book, Kingdom and Country, Following Jesus in the Land That You Love. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Angie Ward is joining us, and suffice it to say that even though she's probably younger than me, I want to be her when I grow up. She is the general editor of a series that we are going to start looking at today. The book that we're looking at is Kingdom and Country, Following Jesus in the Land That You Love. Um, Angie has been in leadership in Christian higher ed, church and parachurch for 30 years. She genuinely loves people. She's very down to earth. Um, and she has a really unique ability to see and explain concept, concepts and systems to others. And so we're thrilled to have her with us today. Angie Ward, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. So good to be back. 
So it's um it's a delight. Talk with us um about the tension out of which Kingdom and Country grows and how this book sort of answers the question that everybody is asking, which is how can I follow Jesus in the land that I love? Yeah, well, how it grew out of tension. I mean, we just, you know, we all know we're just living in such a polarized climate right now. And this is part of a series called Kingdom Conversations. The first one was about a year ago, came out about kind of living in uh, times of crisis, kind of born out of the pandemic. But when we looked at what the next book would be uh, for these conversations, this topic of kingdom and country or kind of uh, politics was just a, a no-brainer, even though we're fear. I think we're treading where maybe angels fear to tread as far as opening this, you know, this can of worms. But such a need. We I just think it's such a needed conversation for our time. So talk about, um, you know, kind of how this book um, comes together because it's not just one voice. There, there are many voices um, speaking, you know, all on the same page, but but speaking in this book. Yeah, so the book has 10 contributors. Each chapter is a different contributor. And we look for the Nav Press, uh, who published it, is a discipleship publisher. And so this book really looks at, okay, what does faith look, uh, faith look like lived out as disciples of Christ first and foremost? Um, and then the context of this kingdom and country topic. And so, so we looked at authors who were for authors who were kind of experts in whatever chapter they wrote, uh, whether it's theology or history or pastoral discipleship, um, but also first and foremost had that same discipleship framework themselves. So let's jump in. Um, And again, you guys, we're talking with Angie Ward. The book is Kingdom and Country. And yes, we do have copies to give away. Um, this is a this is a discipleship approach to a conversation that we have had with some others at a um, at maybe a more expressly political approach or a more expressly theological approach. This is a discipleship approach to the conversation. So if you've been waiting for that presentation of the Kingdom and Country conversation, following Jesus in the land that you love, text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four, and you can enter the drawing for the copies. We're giving away today. Um, Angie, talk with us about, you know, like as a Christian, what is it? I mean, is it okay for me to love my country? And if so, you know, what's my responsibility to to the country that I live in? Yeah, such a such a great and important question. Yes, it's absolutely okay for you to love your country. It's a good thing to be patriotism. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Patriotism is a good thing. You know, God uh, is a God of many nations and, and is not, you know, um, uh, anti-patriot or anything. And so it's, it's good for us to, to celebrate the things um, that we love about our particular country, our particular place, to have a love for that, that sense, whether that's the United States um, or all over. I think our responsibility is to um, love Christ over country and to filter our love for country through um, being a disciple of Christ, follower of him, follower of his word. And so not elevating our country to the level of idolatry, which I think mm-hmm. is a, a fine line that we need to be more aware of. Um, how can I tell if I am approaching or have overstepped that line? I think one of the key clues um, is how you react emotionally if anybody questions you on this topic. Like if there's uh, you know, are you are you open to having a conversation? The first chapter of the book says, can we even, you know, have a conversation? If it's so emotionally charged that you can't even talk about it, that may uh, be a clue that maybe your priorities are a little out of whack and you're, you're valuing your country more than 
you know, following Christ. So we should be able to have these conversations without canceling, without shutting down, without condemning. One of the things that I appreciate, Angie, is um, the way that you connect this conversation at particular points with the reality um, that as a Christian, I am a part of a global family of believers. So talk mm-hmm. talk with us a little bit about how it benefits us as Christians who live in the United States of America, how it benefit, benefits us to develop a more global perspective and a kingdom perspective. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the, the keys to not um, re- letting our patriotism rise to the level of uh, kind of idolatry and just realizing, like, um, you know, like you said, we're we're part of we're as Christians, we're dual citizens. And our primary citizenship, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, is is in heaven and not of this world and in a hope in things to come, not in um, our particular country, our particular political party or particular leaders. And so if we recognize that and that's true of every country around the globe, uh, every nation. And so recognizing that everybody from um, every every culture, kingdom, tribe, you know, nation and tribe is created in the image of God. We ultimately bow to his authority, to, to God's authority as king of kings and lord of lords. And so I think that perspective gives us a humility and a grace um, recognizing where we stand under God's throne in our country or whatever country we're in. Angie, um, I think pastors are really struggling right now. I know they are. I know pastors who I know who are really struggling right now. And this, um, the conversation that you and I are having and the conversation that you are provoking through kingdom and country, following Jesus in the land that you love, um, this is is at a crisis point for them in their congregations. They have people in their churches um, who are so diametrically opposed— um, politically, that I mean, like they can't take communion together anymore. Like, so right. talk talk for a moment um, with pastors. Yeah, well, pastor, and my husband's a pastor, so we've been in pastoral ministry almost thirty years. So I live in that side of the world, you know, of this world as well. And so, um, and it's, it's it is just very discouraging because if you uh, you know it it, I, it should grieve us not just as as pastors and ministry leaders, but um, as the body of Christ to see this disunity and how it's breaking fellowship, even at God's table, like you said, not even having communion together. So, um, you know, pastors, first of all, I see you, I, I get you, I get the world that you're living in. Um, keep humbly following Christ, keep pointing your congregation um, and calling your congregation toward truth and how we determine what is true and right and to goodness in the middle of uh, disagreements um, and know that, uh, you know, like your comment before, just that God is on his throne and that's who our ultimate authority and responsibility is to. We're talking with Angie Ward. The book is Kingdom and Country. You can um, find Angie directly at her website, which I should have in front of me, angieward.com.org. Help me out. Dot, 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 dot net. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, I You're was going right to get there track. eventually. AngieWard.net. Right, exactly. um, we're giving away copies of the book today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484, Kingdom and Country, Following Jesus in the Land that You Love. If you're If you're wondering, like, you know, how do the political events in America over the past several years and the various ways that Christians have responded and are responding to those, like, 
I don't know. Can that give me some insight, some wisdom into um, my own experience of discipleship? Like, how can I use what's happening in the culture to kind of even reflect on where am I in terms of my own discipleship, my allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom versus my passionate love and affection for a particular kingdom of this world? We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Angie Ward is the general editor of Kingdom and Country, Following Jesus in the Land That You Love. We're giving away copies today. This is a discipleship book, um, and it is uh, seeking to address the very real tension that we are having as Americans in such a divided, polarized political environment. So if you've been longing for um, a discipleship approach to this conversation, this is it. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Angie, one of the things that um, I would like to ask you is, what should I be asking? Oh, another great question. Um, I think of yourself, I think you need to to ask... um, First of all, is you know, are my priorities in order? Like, are my allegiances in order? Uh, who am I pledging? You know, what and to whom am I pledging allegiance to? And then, um, am I able to even have conversations uh, about this? Uh, am I able to live in unity um, with even even in disagreement with our brothers and sisters in Christ who uh, maybe have a different perspective than we do? Um, and, uh, yeah, do I ultimately, am I following Christ above all else? So one of the, one of the things that occurs in my conversations is that, um, there are Christians who honestly don't think they're even, it's necessary to live in unity with other people who perceive themselves to be Christians, but who are of the other party because you can't be a Christian and be in that party. So those people must not be Christians. That's the depth of the polarization I experience. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I see it as well. And I think we should realize, I mean, that it's, uh, it's grievous to, to God to see this. I mean, and, and um, again, that's just, if we're putting our loyalty in a country or a particular party, then we're, you know, viewing that as where our kind of salvation is going to come come or our hope then, yeah, it's going to lead to that. And so, you know, we just need to really examine our hearts and our priorities. And and I think if we spent more time looking at how are we following Christ in this conversation, and can we even have this conversation over what's wrong with the other people, I think that's uh, what we need to be doing as faithfulness as disciples of Christ. Why does unity matter? 
I mean, maybe that's at the core of this. Like, as disciples of Jesus Christ, why does unity and therefore disunity, why do those matter? Uh, well, I mean, the Bible just makes it clear that like what, what uh, and the Apostle Paul and Jesus, I mean, he just prays that we would be one in Christ. And so it's part of just the, the Christ heart for us. And, and again, I'm not saying that unity is uh, complete agreement. It's, it's unity and in, in the sense of love for one another and um, recognizing that our unity is in our relationship with Christ as brothers and sisters, as each of us created in the image of God. Um, and not in these in these secondary issues. And this is a secondary issue. It may feel like a primary issue, and it is very, very important. But uh, Christ's heart for us is that the body of Christ may be one, and our witness is showing based on how we're responding to this issue, how we're responding to others who disagree. And so, you know, I think it's just part of God's heart for the unity, and it's also part of our witness to the world. Yeah, I think that, you know, even when I, even as I asked the question, you know, the word witness came like blaringly across uh, (laughs) the screen of my mind. And John 17, John 17 came, you know, came forward as a, as a text where, you know, it's clearly Jesus's prayer. And so maybe part of what brings me to confession and, you know, conviction and confession on this topic is that, you know, I don't, I don't want to be bearing false witness to the unity of Christ by mm-hmm. being divided um, over secondary issues. And maybe it's the differentia- differentiation between primary and secondary issues that's hard for people. Yeah, I think so. I think, and again, I think it's where do we put our hope and our faith? And so I think, you know, as we live our lives in this world as dual citizens, it's it's always tempting to want to think that our our hope comes in you know principalities and powers of this world, which Jesus says you know that's that's not where our hope should rest. And um, but it's it's been a tendency through I mean even the the disciples, original disciples of Jesus, you know, and the followers of of him when he was walking this earth thought that he was going to come and overthrow the Romans. He was going to establish some sort of political party because that's what we see. That's how. That's how our climate, our culture, that's how the earth and how, you know, humanity works. But Jesus you know, repeatedly says his kingdom is an upside down kingdom. It's not of this world. Its methods are not of this world. And so if we don't, as followers of Christ, don't feel a tension between kingdom and country, that also, I think, can be a sign that maybe we're a little too aligned with the ways of this world. Yeah, Psalm, Psalm 121 comes to mind there. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? You know, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't come from horses and chariots and kings and kingdoms. My help comes from the Lord, the maker yeah. of heaven and earth. I, I do think that we um, we have lost perspective on ourselves and um, and therefore on many other things. And part of that is, you know, we haven't been well discipled. When you, when you talk about this as a discipleship issue, um, and we talk about the things that are forming us um, and informing us and the things— that we are allowing to transform us, many, many people are not in the Word of God. Certainly not in the Word of God every day, and the Word of God is not in them. So maybe yeah. um, let's take a step back and talk about basic discipleship. What, um, what are things that, as an, as an adult listening right now, um, who thinks they're a Christian, how could I test whether or not I am growing in my discipleship? What are some of the practices with which I should be actively engaged? 
Yeah, so, such an important question. I think you're right. This is just a, a discipleship and a, a Christian transformation issue. And um, so I think, you know, one thing is, like you said, time in God's Word, time in prayer, time really listening to God, not just uh, calling down fire, you know, on our enemies. Uh, and so so are you spending, you know, to listeners, are you spending more time watching your news network or your news feed of choice of your tribe than you are listening to God and spending time in his word or, or spending time in conversation with other brothers and sisters about that. I think that's a great starting place. I think uh, you've talked about pastors and, and how they're discouraged. You know, Are you open to being to your pastor, your ministry leaders, questioning and challenging and pushing you on your beliefs? Or are you going to quit on that and go find a different place where people agree with you? I mean, are you willing to be sharpened, to to be open to different perspectives, to have the Holy Spirit work in your heart uh, and through the people that God has put, put in your life to speak into that? I think those are two good starting points. All right. We're all going to read Kingdom and Country. Um and if you want to enter the drawing for the copies of the books we're giving away today, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, so we're going to commit to this. Um, we're going to read this, Angie. What is the other book that we should be reading right now? The other book in the series or any other huh. book I recommend besides I the what Bible? Are you, what are you? Yes, there you go. The Bible being the right answer to the question. Yeah, that's, that's what, a good um, answer, right? That's the church answer. Maybe I should say, what else are you reading right now? Um, I well, partly I'm an I'm a nerdy academic, so I'm reading no, that's some good. You know, research the, books, and the, I'm reading a theology. What's the nerdy? Book. What's the nerdy academic reading right now? This is what we want. to I know. am reading a 900 page book called Evangelical Theology by a fantastic Australian New Testament scholar named Michael Bird. We uh, love and, Michael Bird. Um, yeah, so I'm reading Michael's, so I'm uh, going to be doing a, some uh, theology interviews to get some, hopefully get faculty status where I work at Denver Seminary. So I'm I'm refreshing with a little 900 page refresher uh, every day. But um, as, you know, that's that's the thing. I think uh, back to your question about discipleship. I think another thing is, um, you know, are we spending time like this? Even this theology book is doing you know uh, a section on. God and who he is and his role over all the earth. And it's just been a reminder for me of my place in this world vis-a-vis God's position as author, creator of, of me, of you, of the universe, of this world that we live in. I love it. Hey, um, you guys want to pick up a copy um, of this book, Kingdom and Country, in part because it's going to expose you to 10 different authors who are also thinking and writing in this subject matter area, but doing so from a variety of um, of perspectives and places. And so that's really cool as well. Kingdom and Country is the book. Angie Ward is the editor. What a delight. Thank you so much for being with us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you for having me. Really, really fun. You guys can connect directly with Angie at her website, angieward.net. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Pumpkin spices everywhere today because Paul thinks that today is the pumpkin spice opener. For yes, those it is. of you who missed it, it's like opening season <laughs> for anything else. Anything before this was, you know, it's like when you fish ahead of time, you know, go mm-hmm. before oh. the walleye opener. That's mm-hmm. a no no. 
even though it's available. But. There you go. There you go. Shouldn't do it. All Don't right. It. Um, hey, uh, my, um, my the song that I had uh, teed up in my notes was to read you the lyrics of America the Beautiful. So why don't you um, why don't you do that today? Because there um, there are some ways out there that we can love God and love country, and that song is um, is one of them. So America the Beautiful. Hey, have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.